This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And the Jets have just hired a familiar face to be the assistant general manager. He was the director of college scouting for a couple of years when Mike McCagnan came in to take over as general manager in 2015. He was here from that point until the time that Chris Ballard took over as general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, at which point he went with Chris Ballard to become VP of player personnel with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm, of course, talking about the immortal Rex Hogan. What you going to do, brother? So I wanted to find out all about what Rex's tenure was like in Indianapolis after he left the Jets and went over there with Chris Ballard. He was the number three man in charge, and we're going to get into all of that with our man on the scene in Indianapolis. You know I've talked about him plenty of times on the podcast. He's been a guest a couple of times as well. Mr. George Bremer, the best there is on the Indianapolis beat. George, what's going on, man? Oh, man, it's a lot of fun. Downtime of year, supposedly, but I don't think there is such a thing in the NFL. It definitely isn't such a thing with the Jets this year. No, for sure, because even when there's supposed to be nothing going on, the Jets find a way to make something interesting. We're supposed to be sitting here waiting for camp. With all just quiet around us, nothing really happening, and instead the Jets make all these changes, and now they're building this staff. And Rex Hogan is an interesting name here, George, because he wasn't somebody that people thought would be coming in here with Joe Douglas. We heard a lot of names like Champ Kelly. We heard about Phil Savage and Chad Alexander, who did end up coming in. We heard a little bit about Todd McShay. That didn't end up happening. But Rex Hogan came out of nowhere. Do you have any idea what the connection might be between Rex Hogan and Joe Douglas? Yeah, you know, I got to think it goes back to the Bears. I know Hogan was was in Chicago for a long time with Chris Ballard. Uh, Ballard was a scout. And at, at that time, uh, when Jerry Angelo and in his whole program that he had set up there, Greg, Greg Gabriel was a big part of that in Chicago. He's remained really, really tight friends with Ballard. And I think he's also continued to be involved unofficially with the Bears. So he'd be a guy I would expect that, that would know Joe Douglas pretty well. And that, that Douglas might have kind of gotten in touch with when he said, hey, you know anybody who maybe could help us out here? I think the impressive thing about what Douglas has done so far to me is it looks an awful lot like what Chris Ballard did when he got the job here in Indianapolis. One of the things when Ballard got hired, people were obviously excited because much like Douglas, he was kind of one of the, the hot names on the personnel side. So there was already a lot of people looking at him as, as a rising guy. But then the thing that I heard about it almost immediately after the hire is, hey, this guy's got connections all through the league. He's going to come in. He's going to build a really good front office around it. And I think that's one of the underrated things. It's not enough to just have a good general manager. When he goes out and he puts the infrastructure around him, those are the teams that usually end up building well and, and getting strong. And I see Douglas going out and grabbing guys he trusts or guys with good track records around the rest of the league. I think Rex Hogan kind of fits into that. You know, there's a reason Ballard wanted him with him in Indianapolis, and now Douglas is able to give him a promotion uh, to come back to the Jets. So I think it's a win-win for everybody in, in that scenario. And they had ties together with the Bears for a long time, Rex Hogan and Chris Ballard, yes? Yeah, a really long time. During the, the Jerry Angelo era, uh, the period where the Bears went to the Super Bowl with Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, you know, they were there really – had a big role in, in building that defense together. Uh, Ballard as a scout and and Hogan as as a low level member of the front office. So 
you know, I think when you want to look at sort of where Hogan's history is and, and what he's done, obviously he had that brief period with the Jets, but I think, you know, look at what the Colts have done here in the last couple of years. Look what the Bears did in that kind of 2000 to 2012 era, uh, 2002 maybe to 14, I think is when he and Ballard were there together. Those are, that's kind of his education, if you will, in the NFL. That's kind of the way he came up, so. I think you look at those teams and how they were built, you get a pretty good idea of what Rex Hogan holds you know, dear to his heart. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I want to talk about what Rex Hogan actually did in Indianapolis because Jets fans will look at his time here as director of college scouting. And obviously, we don't know exactly what he did because he could recommend certain players. And then people higher than him on the chain of command could then go against what he recommended. So nobody really knows exactly what part he played in those drafts. But you would look at the players that the Jets drafted during that time, and it was certainly not an impressive list of players. Talk to me a little bit about what his responsibilities were like in Indianapolis and some of the things that he had his fingerprints on. I know you were talking to me before we started recording about Braden Smith and how he had something to do with that one. Give me a little bit of a background on what his time in Indianapolis was like. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that you got to understand is that with Ballard, it's an extremely collaborative process. So he's looking on a lot of guys, a lot of voices in that room to make these decisions. So Hogan, he had a very big voice in this group. Him, uh, Dodds, as you mentioned before, Morocco Brown, uh, those are the guys that really were kind of at the top of that, that food chain, if you will, in terms of making the decisions on both free agency and the draft, a little bit of everything. Braden Smith, I think, is one of the big ones for Hogan. He was just a guy who saw Smith early on and it was kind of pushing Ballard to, to make him a tackle. And Ballard really, when they drafted Smith out of Auburn, Ballard really saw him more as a right guard. Uh, but they had, you know, they already had uh, Matt Slauson, who they had signed there uh, in place. He was going to be the starter going into last season. And then they had what they felt good about Mark Lewinsky. And that turned out to really play out in reality during the year when, when Slauson had the back injury and eventually was forced to retire. Glowinski stepped in and, and really looked like a star. And I think early on, Hogan was kind of saying, we're, we're good here on the interior. This guy's got a body type that looks like a tackle. 
I think he can make it out there. I think we should look at him at right tackle where the Colts were having trouble even before the season started. He signed Austin Howard to, to kind of be the de facto starter there, and it just never clicked with him. For whatever reason, he just didn't have it you know, from the start of training camp on. He just did not look like a guy who was going to be able to fill that spot. They got hurt a lot behind there. They ended up playing starting the season with Jamarcus Webb, a former seventh-round pick of the Bears out there. There were a lot of problems out there right tackle. Eventually, Ballard gave in, and Braden Smith ended up having a great season for them out there at the right side, and now he's the right tackle going forward. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I think Kevin Hogan had, or Kevin Hogan, and now we're talking quarterback, <laughs> Rex Hogan had a big impact on. And I think the other the other name that I've heard thrown around with him a lot is Kenny Moore. He just got the extension. Uh, you know, some people think he he might be on his way to being the best slot cornerback right now in the league, the way he's played. But he's a guy that doesn't fit. Chris Ballard has a lot of very distinct parameters that he wants: size, speed, weight. There, there, there are numbers that you have to check off to kind of be considered on the Colts list. And Kenny Moore is well under the size threshold. But Hogan was a guy who, who really liked what he saw when, when Moore got cut by the Patriots. Hogan was a guy who really liked what he saw from Moore. He tried to sell Ballard on the fact that he played bigger than his height and that he thought he had a lot of intangibles that could kind of make up some of those measurable differences. And so Ballard took the chance, and, and Kenny Moore has really been one of the big success stories that the Colts have had here in the last couple of years. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Tell me a little bit about the dynamic in the front office. I know that Hogan was behind Dodds and Ballard, but what do you know about how the three men worked together and how they worked with the coaching staff and others below them in the chain of command in the front office? Yeah, the, the Colts did a really great kind of off-season web series. I'm sure it's still out there. It was called With the Next Pick. and I know it's available at their website. I think it's on, on YouTube. And they really gave a good peek at, at the process. And Rex Hogan's in there a couple times. He's featured a few times in, in that series. Uh, but it's, it is such a collaborative process. It really wasn't just those three guys. I mean, Ballard likes to bring in all the scouts uh, starting around January towards the end of the year. And then certainly once the season wraps up. And, and they'll just have these hours-long sessions in the draft room where, where everybody basically has a voice and he wants you to kind of defend your guy. So, you know, if you have whoever it is that you're trying to say they need a draft and they need to look at in free agency, he wants to hear that out. He wants to have that He wants to have that open conversation. You know, everybody can take their knocks at the guy, whatever the reason they think they shouldn't be there. But specifically, if you're the guy that brings him to the table, he wants you to to stand on that table and, and defend your pick. And I think that that's, it, it builds a lot of confidence in these guys, and it builds, I think, some some scouting skills for them. And you know, it sharpens it because you can't just come to him with sort of an idea of what a guy can do for this team. You have to come in with why he fits this scheme, what role will he have on day one, 
Otherwise, they're not going to add a player. And I think that's something that, that Hogan, I believe, would bring right away to the Jets. Does Hogan, to the best of your knowledge, have any particular positions that he likes to focus on? We talked about Braden Smith. And so the offensive line has been a huge weakness for the New York Jets for a long time. They haven't made much in the way of high-level investments. I know that Joe Douglas has come in here saying that rebuilding the offensive line is going to be one of his biggest priorities. Does Hogan seem to lean in any direction in terms of what he likes to do with building a team? Joe Douglas said, you get the quarterback and you build in the trenches. Does he have some sort of overriding philosophy to the best of your knowledge? Or would you say that Ballard has a certain philosophy that Hogan Hogan has gleamed on to. How would you describe that? Yeah, I think Ballard is so strongly on you build from the trenches out. You know, you saw that with his first real draft here. You know, what he did, adding the offensive line and the defensive line. His focus has been so much on the trenches. And I think Rex Hogan is very much that same mindset. You know, you're not going to win games until you start winning at the line of scrimmage. And so I think he'll definitely carry that along. It's something that Really, both of Jerry Angelo was that way in Chicago. I think they both kind of came up through that system, feeling that way. And I know in Ballard's case, when he went with Andy Reid in Kansas City, that only kind of tripled down on that for him. That that's where he really, you know, he talks about that again and again. His time with Andy Reid told him never want to pass on an offensive lineman. I think there were a couple guys this year, even as strong as the offensive line was. I had heard there were a couple of guys this year the Colts were considering. They were just taken before the Colts had a chance to pick. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think that's going to be a big emphasis here in Indianapolis uh, every year moving forward. And I think it's something that Rex Hogan is going to take with him to New York. I also think that if you look at his history and, and obviously what he did in New York before, the college side is probably where he's been spent more of his time. You know, some guys, I think Ed Dodds is more the pro personnel guy. In the indie front office, I, I think more uh, of the college side of things falls on, on Rex Hogan's shoulders. So I think that he would probably be more involved in the draft than he would be in free agency with the Jets. But it'll be interesting to see how he evolves. And he's very well thought of in Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy. I think everyone's been afraid of, of losing Ed Dodds for a while now because he's just he's a GM and waiting. Uh, it's just really a matter of time. And, and Ed is. You know, he got promoted to assistant GM this year, uh, but part of that, I think, was to keep him from being able to, to go somewhere else for a job other than a GM title. Uh, but he, I think people kind of felt like Dodds would be the first one to go, and then Hogan would kind of move into his role and be the number two behind Ballard. So it kind of went out of order here, uh, but it was a situation where I think Hogan couldn't really pass it up. When you can go and be the number two guy with the Jets, if Douglas has the kind of success that it looks like he can, uh, with his track record, then you know Rex Hogan's name is going to be right there with Ed Dodds on, on the future GM list. So he's very highly thought of, and I think he's another guy that sooner or later is going to be running his own program somewhere in this league. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
So was this a big surprise to the Indianapolis Colts that Hogan was gone? Like you said, they were looking for Ed Dodds to be picked off, but maybe Hogan was someone they weren't necessarily expecting. Were they caught by surprise? Yeah, I can't speak to the to the front office's thinking on this in particular, but it definitely was a surprise outside the building. I, I think Ballard's always kind of got his contingency plans out there for, for every position, so I'm sure he's ready and, and already moving on what he's going to do to replace Hogan. But, yeah, it was Ed Dodds. That really, when, whenever you talked about somebody from this front office moving on, it was always Ed Dodds' name coming up. And in all likelihood, come January or February, he will move on. And once you start seeing some of these GM jobs open up, these all kind of came late in the game this year. didn't have really any of them right at the end of the season. They all kind of came after the draft, which was kind of unique too. But I think once you have one of these wide open GM searches, he's going to be right at the top of the list. So that was really where all the focus was. And I don't think anybody was – necessarily considering that Hogan was going to be gone now but there's been a feeling that this this front office that that Ballard put together was strong enough that they were going to get picked off you know I think Morocco Brown eventually will will go as well he's the director of college scouting right now and he's another guy that'll be alive for promotion uh down the road eventually so it's a surprise that it happened right now I guess but I I don't think it's a surprise this kind of thing was coming eventually Let's talk about the Sam Darnold trade because a lot of people believe that Rex Hogan was one of the keys to that deal getting made because of his connection to the Jets front office from his time here. What do you know about Hogan's involvement there? Was he the one really steering the ship on that trade? Yeah, you know, I, I think in that deal for sure because he's, he knows so much about both organizations. And I think that's going to be interesting moving forward. I mean, this is that trade, I feel like, really ended up being good for both teams. You know, the Colts got what they wanted out of it. The Jets got a franchise quarterback, which is what they wanted out of it. And I think now when you have the relationship that's as tight between Hogan and, and Ballard as it is and, and knowledge of both rosters the way that, that Hogan has it, you would just think that they're going to be likely trade partners again here, you know, as we get in, into the future. And Ballard's always talking about 365 days he's looking to, to acquire talent. I know towards the end of training camp, that's always a big thing for him, looking to try to make a deal. Uh, you know, if there's a position that, that, that they feel like they're strong in, they're going to have to cut a guy trying to find some place to deal that guy, get a pick or get another player, maybe fill a position that's a little weaker. I would think that kind of thing when it comes to September is going to be really something to watch now with the Jets and the Colts. Along those lines, you and I have talked about this off the air. And you and I talk about Jets and Colts and just general league stuff a lot. You're one of my favorite people to talk to, especially when it pertains to stuff like this. And you threw out a couple of scenarios that you thought could be interesting. Let's talk about that. What kind of deals do you think could get made now between the Colts and the Jets? Yeah, you know, one thing that, that really strikes me is I know the Jets are looking for that edge rusher who isn't. You know, they're always looking for, for that edge defender, trying to, to beef up that spot. And then all of a sudden, the Jets are strong in the middle of that defensive line after the draft, after Quinton Williams falls in into their spot. Uh, and so I, I think that's one area the Colts would like to kind of beef up. They don't have a lot of young talent on, on the front of the, that defensive line. The guys they have right now penciled in as starters are, are Marcus Hunt, Danico Autry. They both had really good years last year. But I don't think either one of them is really a guy that you're looking at as a four or five year building block type of player. 
So you wonder, you know, will a guy like Leonard Williams eventually become available with the Jets? If he does, you know, could could Rex Hogan look to some of the young players uh, that the Colts have gotten the last couple of years on, on that defensive side of the ball? In particular, Kamoko Ture. I mean, he's a guy that they brought in very raw out of Rutgers who might be a better fit as a 3-4 outside linebacker than he is right now as a 4-3 defensive end. They kind of drafted past him this year with Ben Vanagoo uh, out of TCU, and then they went and signed Justin Houston. So not that they're giving up on Ture by any stretch of imagination, but it, I, I think he's maybe a little bit further down the line. So, so some kind of talk like that where Ture – would be part of a package. It's not going to be a straight-up deal, obviously. But Wartore would be part of a package, possibly, for Leonard Williams. Uh, but even just depth positions. I mean, right now, the Colts have talked again and again. They want to have nine or ten starters on that offensive line. That's their idea. They saw it in action last year. And guys like Evan Bame, who came in to fill in for, for Ryan Kelly for a couple weeks last year, he's a guy who could play on the interior for a lot of teams. And, and you know that Rex Hogan knows that. So, you know, will they go into the depth of that Colts offensive line? There's a lot of possibilities, I think, uh, that, that Hogan's going to know this roster inside and out. And, and you would think that would be a place he would turn up to, to Joe Douglas about looking, you know, to fill some needs as training camp rounds down for the Jets. And so you think that it could be the reverse of what happened with Sam Darnold. In other words, he had a good relationship with Mike McCagnan and Brian Hemmerdinger, so he was able to point and put together a deal that worked for all sides when he was with Indianapolis. Now that he's back with the Jets, because he's on good terms with Dodds and Ballard, he could be the point man and put together a deal that works for both sides, this time on the Jets' end of the ledger for the Jets and the Colts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Ballard's such a big relationships guy. When you look at what he's done since he's come into Indianapolis, a lot of his moves have been with teams where he has some history. You know, he's he dealt with the Chiefs. He's dealt with the Bears, you know. And I think the Jets are going to be very high on that list now because he does know Hogan so well and he trusts them. And I think, you know, between them now, there's enough. It's funny because Joe Douglas and, and Chris Ballard seem to just circle each other. When you look at their careers, they never really work together, but they've worked with similar people or they've worked with, you know, offshoots of similar people. And so a lot of what the Colts are doing right now is similar to what Philadelphia is doing, but that's because Doug Peterson came from the Andy Reid tree, and so Chris Ballard goes back into that. It feels like Douglas and Ballard are very much of a, of a similar mind and from the same family tree. I, I think there's just going to be a lot of chances here for a good working relationship between these two teams. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So what do you think the Jets should expect overall from having Rex Hogan as the number two man in the organization? What does he really bring to the table? What does he add here with Joe Douglas? Yeah, I think he's a really smart guy. I mean, he, he's a guy that really likes to come and just before the games, you know, you, especially on the road, we go down near the, the field there during warm-ups, and, and Hogan was a guy who would come over and just kind of talk about things that were going on around the league with us. You know, it wasn't anything official, but it was just sort of like, you know, can you believe this guy signed for this amount of money? Or can you believe this team's cutting this guy? Or whatever. And it was a two-way street. But I think he's a guy that's been very plugged into what's going on around the league. And he's always very aware of not just who's available, but why. I mean, he was a guy that we could go to and we could say, hey, do you think you guys would have any interest in, in player X? And he would come back to us with, no, because he's got this in his past. Or no, because this team's getting rid of him because of this reason. You know, And so... I think that's something that every front office needs. You need that guy who's not just 
it's one thing to know who's available. It's another thing to understand the why and, and the how of it. I think that's that's an invaluable asset for any franchise. Joe Douglas in his press conference to introduce him as the new general manager of the Jets was very explicit in his desire to use the waiver wire to his advantage. One of his quotes was, we're number three in waiver wire order priority. And he indicated from there that the Jets plan to very much make the most of that. It sounds like you're saying that Rex Hogan is somebody who's very in tune with the league. You had brought up somebody earlier who the Colts had plucked off the waiver wire and who turned into a really good player for them. Is that something that Jets fans should expect with Rex Hogan is that going to be one of his strengths? Yeah, and that's something straight from the Ballard playbook too. I mean, the same year that they got Kenny Moore, they win. They plucked Pierre Desir. That's their starting cornerback duo right now, and I think they feel really good about both those guys. Both of them signed new contracts this offseason, and both of them were on the scrap heap two years ago. So, uh, you know, I think that's definitely something that that Hogan's going to be keeping his eye on. And and really with Indianapolis in particular, I mean, they they feel like this year. They're finally to the point where they're going to cut some guys who will be useful to other teams. I think that's what you always want to do with your roster. Last few years, they've just been trying to fight to, to even find 53 guys. This year, there's a couple positions where they feel like they're going to cut some guys who can help out elsewhere in the league. I think Hogan's going to be right you know, in, in number three in, in the waiver order, but also he's got more knowledge of, of which of those guys are actually useful and which of them could help the Jets than, than probably anybody else. So, yeah, I think the waiver wire has been a big part of what Indianapolis has done. From what I understand, Hogan was a big part of finding those guys. And I think it'll be a big part of how the Jets build as well. And what about trades, even low-key trades, because the waiver wire is something a lot of people don't think about. And we know that he had that big trade with Donald, but I'm talking more about deals for veterans that might be on the trade block that you could get for a low draft pick or even just plucking a guy who's not really as highly thought of by an organization but who maybe somebody like Hogan sees as a potential asset we talked about him grabbing some guys off the waiver wire is that something that Indianapolis had done during his tenure a little bit Ballard's not that big of a trader I think that's one of the big surprising things with him he really almost every deal that he made had centered around the draft he isn't really traded much outside of that uh and i don't know if that's because they just didn't find things that that really suited them or if it was just something that ballard wasn't looking for but it's something that i think that hogan would be good again you know he seems to be plugged into to sort of what's going on in the rest of the league and that certainly plays into your, your trade market and, and how active you can be in it but also much like ballard he's got a lot of connections you know when we talk about Everyone was so excited because Ballard was coming in and he was going to be able to bring in these guys because of the relationships that he has in his league. Most of those relationships also are shared by Rex Hogan. He was with Ballard for a long stretch of that. So Hogan's a guy who has some ties to, to the Colts, obviously, but has some ties to the Bears. And I would think through Ed Dodds has some ties to Seattle. So all of that together, I, I would think he would be a guy who can help kind of get the wheels in motion when a trade is is on the table. A lot of people have compared Joe Douglas to Chris Ballard, and that's not to say that Joe Douglas is going to be as good of a general manager as Ballard. He may be, he may not be, but just their backgrounds, how they came up, the way that they're thought of in the league, how highly sought after both of them were at the time that they were hired. And so a lot of people will say, well, Rex Hogan coming in here, he's somebody that worked with Ballard who draws a lot of comparisons to Douglas 
and now he's going to be the number two in command. Could you see a scenario based on what you know where Douglas could have a similar track record to what Ballard has produced in Indianapolis? Because like you're saying, it sounds like they have a very similar mindset in how to build a team. And how do you think Rex Hogan would do as the Ed Dodds in this scenario? Yeah, I think that's what Hogan's been prepared for. You know, I think that's what he's been building towards. It seems like that's sort of the step ladder that you that you go through. He's just on the outside of that Dodds Ballard combo now. Now you get to be kind of the number two uh, in New York, and then you build that to get to your own job. You know, it's sort of the the natural progression within an NFL front office. So I think this is the the kind of logical next step for Rex Hogan. I think it's a great place for him to have that happen because he's working with the general manager who seems so much like his old boss. And so I think he's not going to have to change a lot of his own philosophies and, and the way he does business to fit in there. Uh, and I think everything that I've seen so far, which granted it's, it's been pretty quick here in New York, but everything that I've seen so far, what Douglas is doing, he's running a very similar playbook to what Chris Ballard did when he came into Indianapolis. And I think you'll see a lot of waiver claims would be my guess. That was one of the big things that that Ballard did in his first two years here. And a lot of just turning the bottom of that roster. I mean, Ballard constantly has guys in on tryouts. The practice squad is really like an 11 or 12 member squad because he's just constantly churning out during the week. You know, guys will be here the first two or three days and then they're out and another guy comes in the last two or three days of the week and the next week it's the same pattern and both guys get paid that way and you really just kind of maximize the 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 numbers on the roster that's the kind of stuff i would expect to see from joe douglas now Uh, i think it's something that you saw from philly you know the kind of way they run things and they build a super bowl champion there i think ballard's following that playbook to a degree and there's always going to be little personal flourishes that you put on there it's going to be tough to predict what that will be for Douglas uh, when he gets there. Like, I know one of the big things everybody thought when Ballard got the job in Indy was that he was going to be big on on taking character risks because Kansas City obviously had done a lot of that. Ballard had a big hand in bringing Tyreek Hill in there. He had a big hand in bringing Marcus Peters in there. People thought he's going to look for that kind of guy, and he's really avoided that at all costs in Indy. Uh, because he said that, you know, he just didn't feel like it was the right fit right now for where the Colts are. So it'll be interesting to see how Joe Douglas kind of has his own little personal touch. I think every every GM does, but the broad strokes of it, it looks very similar to what Ballard's done in Indy so far. I guess as long as Joe Douglas keeps Christopher Johnson from spending a whole bunch of money on a guitar at a charity auction, everything should be okay, right? <laughs> that's $4 million. And that is, yeah, that's apparently the biggest crime right now in Indianapolis. So at least from a certain segment of the media in the fan base. So yeah, as long as that doesn't happen... Keep Christopher Johnson away from guitars, I guess. (laughs) For anybody that doesn't know the story, George was telling me off the air, and I thought it was funny that everybody in Indianapolis is upset because Jim Irsay apparently spent $4 million on a guitar at a charity auction, and people are somehow linking that to the fact that the Colts didn't go aggressively after certain free agents. I'm not really sure how the two correlate, but I guess it's one of those things where if you can't handle prosperity, you start picking on little things that don't really matter. I'll say this much. I wish that the Jets had the Colts problems. And perhaps if Joe Douglas goes down the path that Chris Ballard did in Indianapolis, the Jets will eventually have the Colts quote unquote problems. And Rex Hogan seems to be a guy that should be able to help 
push them in that direction. George Bremer, the editor of CNHI Sports in Indianapolis, one of my favorite people to talk to about football. So glad you were able to join me to shed some light on Rex Hogan and his time in Indianapolis and what we should expect from him here with the New York Jets. For those that are unfamiliar with your work and where they can find you, why don't you go ahead and let them know. Yeah, best place probably on Twitter, at GM Bremer. Uh, com is our website. And, uh, yeah, you know, for right now it's the quiet time. But I tell you, I look at the calendar every day, and it, training camp is, is going to be here a lot sooner than you think. It sure is. We only got a couple of weeks. The NFL is a year-round sport now. There is no break in the action. Like I said, even when you think that there's nothing going on, something happens. It's like the late Roddy Roddy Piper used to say, just when you think you have the answers, I change the questions. And the questions are certainly changed quite a bit here in New York very frequently. But I hope that we don't have to be asking the question, who is in the Jets' front office in a couple of years? Hopefully Joe Douglas, Rex Hogan, Phil Savage, Chad Alexander, and all that crew sticks, and the Jets have a very successful run in that front office and rebuilding this roster into a consistent winner. George, thanks so much for coming on. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter and go to the website and read his tremendous work, even if you're not a Colts fan. It's well worth reading. I always say try to read stuff from people all the way around the league so you have a full understanding of what's going on beyond your team. And that way it also gives you a point of comparison with your team and other players and other organizations. George is the best there is when it comes to Indianapolis, so make sure you're checking out his work. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.